It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Oh, hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. It's time for a little happy hour here in the treehouse as the Athletics are back home to take on the Cincinnati Reds. Going to have the Reds in for three, and then the Seattle Mariners will come to town as we'll see what the Mariners look like when they get here to Oakland. They were a pretty chic pick once again to be one of the top teams in baseball and to make the playoffs, and so far they have not been so hot. We've got a great show for you. Vince Catronia, one of the voices of the Oakland A's, will be here at 4.15. J.P. Sears, Searsy. After his outing yesterday against Shohei Otani and the outing before that set a career high with 11 strikeouts against the Texas Rangers in Arlington. He's going to nope. be here. Nope. nope. Changed it. Mason Miller. Mason Miller. I'm supposed to be able to. I, I'm, I'm previewing J.P. Sears, and now you're changing the guest on me already? Just got the text from PR. Olivia Hummer just told me and Isabella. Mason Miller will be our guest in Mason hour. Miller. Pittsburgh's bring, own. Bring Mason in Miller. smoke. I have to hear this all year. No, it's just one time, and we're good. Okay. Uh, bring in the smoke gaze, friends. Mason Miller is going to join us. Can't wait to talk to him. Would have loved to talk to J.P. Sears, too, but we will talk to Mason Miller. What time do you think that will be? Uh, they are saying after BP, so I'm assuming like uh, 445, 4.50. I mean, that's scheduled programming right there. People want to hear. He is, I mean, when you talk about interest in the A's, you got Ruiz, you got Rooker. Uh, after that, I don't know how many people are more interested than anybody but Mason Miller. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he throws 102. When's the last time we had a guy that threw 102? Maybe ever? Well, it's just not that he throws 102. He throws strikes. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's plenty of guys who can throw 100, and they have no idea where it's going. And we will get to uh, some of the stats with the A's pitching coming up, coming up here in just a bit. But – Mason Miller will join us a little bit before 5 o'clock. We'll have the David Forst show at 5. We've already taped David Forst and also Mark Kotze, so we uh, can kind of give you an idea of how those are going to go down. David Forst will be at 5 o'clock. Mark Kotze will be at 5.30. And since we are having a show 
before Reds A's. Great history between these two franchises. The 1972 World Series, Hares versus the Squares. And then you have, of course, 1990, one of the biggest upsets, unfortunately, for the athletics and in baseball history, the Cincinnati Reds taking down the great 1990 Oakland Athletics. So history with these two clubs in the World Series and a very special interview. It means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to Ken Korak. So during COVID, we started replaying, you know, we needed, you know, what are we going to do? We got no baseball, so we got to figure out something to do. So what we did was we started airing classic games. And we said, why not do games from the old World Series? So we started with the 1972 World Series between Cincy and Oakland. And we did like a pregame show and then aired the game. And in one of the pregame shows, we had an exclusive interview with the late, great Joe Morgan, Oakland's own Joe Morgan. And Ken, and Cor- Ken Korak and I did that not knowing that I'm not too sure, but might have been his last ever interview. Because it wasn't long after that Joe passed away. He might have done an interview or two, but there was a whole lot more that he did after this interview. And that's why I think it could have been his last or one of his last. We're going to replay that for you. Joe Morgan, Hall of Famer, Oakland kid, Ken Korak, the voice of your Oakland Athletics. I'm just tagging along for the ride. This is Ken Korak, Joe Morgan, and myself. We're going to replay that for you at 545. Very special. We playing the whole thing? Yeah, it's like 14 minutes long. Yeah, it was it – was, it was such an honor to have him on. You know, you think about his distinguished career as a player, as a broadcaster. He and John Miller, over 20 years, basically as the voices of baseball as they were Sunday night baseball. They were the World Series for so, so long. And Joe Morgan, such a great player, a two-time MVP. Uh, his voice – very strong inside the halls of the Baseball Hall of Fame and speaking for a lot of Hall of Famers during some tough times of how are you going to decipher who gets in, who doesn't, guys that were doing things that were not the right things to do, i.e. PED guys. So Joe Morgan has had a strong voice or had a strong voice in Major League Baseball in a lot of different ways as a player, as a broadcaster, and as a Baseball Hall of Famer. So I'm really looking forward to that. Joe Morgan, Ken Korak, and myself later on at 545. You know, I want to start the show today, you know, looking at what happened yesterday, taking down Otani, end up losing. But you know the one thing that I want to talk about with Otani today is I hope everybody understands of, of, of really what he means to young baseball players. I'm not talking about how much money he's worth. He's going to make a bazillion dollars. Whoever ends up signing him, they're going to make a ton of money off of him too. He's a great investment. He's a human ATM for any organization. Is he doing something we've never we've never seen before? Of course. It is it's incredible that guy hits a home run, and he's the starting pitcher the next day. I had a chance, I mean, I thought it would have been in a garbage cycle, but he had a chance for the cycle yesterday. Everything he does is historic. It is maybe once in a lifetime, but maybe not. And I think the one thing that we should truly appreciate from Shohei Otani, and I don't think we hear this enough, and to me as a baseball player is the number one thing, 
and for all young baseball players who watch this, who will be listening to this, is the guy's a gamer. The guy is in it to win it. He wants to play. He wants to play every day. We have gotten into this world in professional sports where guys want less time. We here in the NBA, load management. Giancarlo Stanton, over like the last five years for the Yankees, has missed 47% of his games. You know, guys didn't want to play in the WBC because they, they, they don't want to get hurt. I get it. But you know who's the guy that wants to play? You know, who, you know who the guy that said, you know what, I don't want to take the day off from hitting when I'm pitching. I don't want to take off the day before. I mean, they had these ridiculous rules with the Angels with what they wanted him to do, and they are worried about him doing too much. And he's like, let me go. I want to play. I want to play. I want to pitch. I want to hit. I want to do it during the season. I want to do it during spring training. I want to do it in the WBC. He wants to play. He's an absolute gamer. And hopefully, we're now watching, and more important than people like us, is all these coaches out there who are watching. The Mark Kotze's of the world. Mark Kotze could have been a two-way player. He wouldn't have been a starter. He would have been a reliever. I know. You've read about it. I lived it. I played against him at Cal State Fullerton when I played at San Jose State. I watched Mark Kotze wear you out at the plate and then come in out of center field and blow smoke by everybody. He was so 96-97. Mark Kotze could have been a version of Shohei Otani, but he would have been the hitter slash reliever. But they wouldn't give, like, like Bruce Kieschnick. I don't even know. You might be too young. Bruce. Uh, the Brewers. Well, he was out of Texas, and I believe I believe Kieschnick was drafted by the Cubs. He was one of the these two-way guys. Cal State Northridge had it. I mean, this is going way back. Uh, one guy was Sharts. The other guy was, and it's when Cal State Northridge got to be D1, and they started shocking everybody. Uh, God, I remember the two guys' names. Cub, Cubs in the first round. Yeah, Kieschnick was out of yeah. Texas, drafted by the Cubs. We've seen it, but no one's really been get Clayton and Sharts were the two guys. They, they weren't given the opportunity once they got to the Meyer Leagues to truly do it. Maybe this will be not only the gift Otani is giving us uh, of excellence, but the gift of how he's going to change the game so that we will see. We may not see a guy as talented starting and pitching, but we may see the effect of saying, hey, listen, this guy can pitch and gets out. This guy can pitch and get outs. This guy can hit and be effective. But what I love about the most is that Otani wants to play. There's no load management for him anymore. He didn't want that. I mean, you know how many times in the NFL you hear about guys who get the second contract where they get the guaranteed they get the guaranteed signing bonus, and then they don't want to play hurt. I mean, how many times do we see load management in the NBA? It just happened with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, this guy wants to play. In an era of everybody's about protecting their brand, protecting themselves as an investment, Otani's like the hell with it. I had Tommy John. He hit through Tommy John. He always wants to play. He loves the game. He's up for the fight. My favorite thing is he has the best sprint speed in baseball from home the first. He hustles on the line no matter what it is, a ground ball to shortstop or a single to left. The guy hustles all the time. I love watching he him. He plays. He, I, mean, I mean, you remember Bonds. Bonds lollygagged his ass down to first constantly. Shohei Otani's a gamer. 
He's ready to you, – you put him on the mound, he's bringing it. You put him at the plate, he's, he's swinging out of his you-know-what. As you said, he's fast, he runs, he's trying – I mean, he, he's doing it the way you're supposed to do it. It's refreshing. So beyond the stats, beyond the eyes oh, of unicorn, all that stuff, I just respect the fact that he comes out ready to kick your behind every single day. He's up for the challenge. And great ones, they do that. Joe DiMaggio used to say, I play hard every single day because there's a kid that's showing up, and this is the first time he's ever seen me play. And he could have said it could be the last time he's ever going to see him play. Michael Jordan showed up, hung over, gambling all night. He could play golf during the game. Jeremy Roenick has a story, uh, uh, the great hockey player. Jeremy Roenick said he played 36 holes with Michael Jordan and – I'll say it, was drinking beers while he was playing golf and then went out that night against somebody who put up 46. Michael Jordan came to play every single game. He came to kick your behind. And we're seeing it, I mean, if you want to tie it to a modern guy, where LeBron James plays every game. Except for when he, I mean, when he gets hurt, obviously that happens. But Carl, LeBron Carl plays. Malone played 82 games every year. Carl Malone played every game. Carl, uh, Cal Ripken Jr. I mean, there's certain guys who love the challenge. They love the fight despite their hammy's a little hurt, their ankle's a little bad. You know, they, I'm playing. Tape it up. Give me some, some ibuprofen. Let's go. I'm ready to rock. And that is Shohei Otani. You could say that as a kid, say no. He's built different. I just, I, I, a lot of respect. I mean, he's, he's like everybody else. He's felt, we saw him foul a ball off his shin. That hurts. Doesn't matter. It's like when we were kids, we all played. We all pitched. We all hit. We're like, let's go. And he's at that point in his life he can still do this. Now, I don't know at 34, 35, 36, if now that. But you know what? He's not worried about that. He wants to do it now. And I wonder how many guys that if they look back in their career, guys who missed a bunch of games, and if they look back, you know, you only got one career. Games played. You only got so many games to play. Don't you want to play as many and as many innings and get as many at-bats, as many innings pitched? Isn't that what you want? Because so, once you're done, you're done. It's over. You're not playing anymore. You are done. Don't you want to get the most out of what you possibly can get while you're playing? And I bet there's a bunch of guys who didn't have the right mindset, disgruntled, who look back on their career and go, man, I really screwed that up. Because there's guys that they've just had attitude problems or they just didn't have the right approach. They didn't work out enough. They didn't take care of themselves. They didn't get enough sleep. They didn't eat the right food. They're out partying at night. I mean, I mean, can you, you're trying to tell me Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Good and two guys that come to mind don't sit back and go, man, what could have been? Oh, yeah, especially, I mean, for especially Doc Gooden for how good he was when he came up. I mean, Strawberry was a great player, too, but Dwight Gooden was, you know, uh, could you say he's the best pit, he was the best pitcher in the National League in the 80s? I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Roger Clemens because Clemens was great in the American League. But, yeah, those are two guys that come to mind. I mean, there's guys now that, you know, in pro sports you're watching a lot more. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's going to look back on his uh, basketball career and wonder what happens if I would have played more. The guy got a huge contract from the Clippers, and he sat out the last three games of the playoff series with a – they said it was a knee sprain. Now he has a torn meniscus. The guy, the, he's, the, he's the poster child for load management when it comes to, to guys. And then you've got guys grinding their entire careers trying to get here, like Drew Maggi of the Pirates, who's finally here. And it took him 13 years. This, these are the, those are the guys you want to see, not the guys that get here and they're like, yeah, well, I got here and I got my money. And, you know, we've seen it well, too many I times. I mean, Kawhi, 
Kawhi will be 45 years old and there's no more basketball left. And it's like, man, do you realize how many games you didn't play? I mean, John Carlos Stanton. He's a good example. Clearly, whatever he is doing in the offseason isn't working. Whatever he's doing. He's missed 40 Seven percent of the games in like the last five years for the Angels. What's he have now? Isn't it a hammy right now? Uh, who knows? I don't know. He's hurt so much. I don't keep track. He, it's he's boring. Out, he, I just know he's out for four to six 40, weeks. Se- he sits there in Yankee gear, rehabbing every single game. Now, when he plays, he puts up numbers, but he is—he's uh, just not healthy, and it's absolutely pathetic. By the way, speaking of looking at some numbers for the A's, and we'll talk to Mark Kotze about this. You know, simple things. You know, one of the reasons why the A's have the highest ERA in baseball at 8.01, their starters have the highest ERA in baseball at 9.15, and their bullpen has the highest ERA at seven point, at 6.75. And a lot of – I don't hold the bullpen to that because, to me, it's not really fair for the bullpen because the starters – don't go innings. They've been put in a lot of bad situations, which has made the bullpen numbers go up. I don't think the bullpen really is that bad. But you just start to look. The A's lead the league in walks. Pitchers have walked 133 guys. Now you might say, okay, how does that jive with the rest of the league? I mean, this is throwing strikes. you got guys at every level of baseball throwing strikes. Big league level, minor league level, college level, throwing strikes. Why can't this group of human beings on this team in these jerseys throw strikes? It's a simple fundamental of pitching. You've got to be able to throw strikes. The A's have walked 133 guys. What game is this, 26? Uh, this is game 27. What, yeah, 5 and 20, so game 27. Well, if the starter doesn't get a uh, win tonight, match the all-time record of the Pittsburgh Pirates last year. Yeah, they said they set that last year. Who went 27 starts without a starter getting a victory. So the A's could tie this dubious record tonight. Uh, but you never know. And it's good news. Drew Rosinski's pitching tonight. Yeah, Drew. His debut. Drew Zinski will talk to – I've been waiting for Vince Catronio to show up. So he's, we uh, he's, on, he's on his way. He said he'll be here in five minutes. Five minutes, 4.15. Well, he's like – Kotze went a little, was uh, late to his presser. So Vince said he'll be here in five minutes, two minutes ago, so he'll be here in three minutes. Because Kotze's got something different to say from what he said yesterday down in Anaheim when Vince was there? Well, Rusinski now. He's got to talk about that. What? He's activating, he's pitching? Okay, that's... We're excited to see that's, Drew. That's less than a minute. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else they're going to talk they're about. They're probably trying to pepper him. I watch. It's going to be like, well, how do you feel about... Yeah, trying to ask baseball people about what, what's happening with, with stadium situations is absolutely, it's like they have no control over it. Baseball people, that's not their job. Well, we want to hear from, what, what do you want to hear from it? It's like, it's like asking us, what do you want to hear what I have to say about it? What, 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 <sighs> you control the controllables, and they'll say, well, well, hey, the other people aren't talking. The other people in the well, we don't control the other people in the organization. It's not our, it's not Kotze's job to talk about stadiums and states, and that's just not. But I bet they did it. We'll see uh, with Vince if they did that. But the next closest team in walks given up is the Chicago White Sox. Do you have, do you have any clue how close they are to the A's? I think to the bottom. Are they like 30 behind? 116 to 133. Oh, so 17. That's, that's, that's team number 29. 
A's are 30th, which is last. Number 29 is at 116. So you can just imagine everybody, I mean, the walks allowed, unbelievable. Home runs allowed. The A's have given up 47 home runs, the most in baseball. Next closest, Chicago at 38. Not even close. Here's the one, since your Cincinnati Reds are in town, the A's, the batting average against A's pitching this year is 294. Next worst, number 29 on the list, Cincinnati at 276. That's not even close. So the A's are dead last. ERA, starter ERA, bullpen ERA, walks, home runs, and opponents batting average, and they're not even close to the next team. So technically, offense isn't the problem. Has offense been there every game? No, can't can't expect it to be, but uh, the reality is pitching hasn't been there. It's been pitching why the A's have really struggled. We have a little movement here on set as please make sure you, all the autograph seekers are kept away. I made sure I put the ribbon here around us to protect us so not everybody would be storming Vince Catronio for autographs. It's like having Justin Bieber uh, when you're very big uh, and bald. Justin Bieber. Yes, it's it's like it's like the you're the Arizona version of, of Justin Bieber here. Uh, so Katze went long. What 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 was Katze being asked? Well, there was discussion about game first game back since the announcement of the teams. Uh, and it's a ama- direction toward Las Vegas. We just we just we just said it's ridiculous. These guys have nothing to do with it. Right, and he, but he he explained uh, you know the joy that the fans have brought. You know that he remembers playing games where the place was shaking at its foundation. He knows that. It's we all know that. We we have a game to do. That's our job. You have no control over right. it. I have no control right. over it. And we just keep trying. And I don't want to be insensitive. I just want to keep drilling into people. We have a job that we have to do, and our job is still to cover this team. Right, and and to that point, the two major subjects that were discussed were the curtain is lifted today on Drew Rosinski. We've been waiting for this veteran who this rotation certainly needs. You project a guy that can go deeper in games than what we've seen. He projects to throw more strikes than what we've seen. Strike thrower. <laughs> uh, and we'll see how that plays out. And he had talked about the story that during the COVID year, even though baseball didn't start till July, the KBO was underway on time, and their opening night was on ESPN, and the guy that was pitching on TV was Drew Rosinski. So, you know, he's had a lot of success over there. He knows, he'll be the first to tell you, the KBO is not the big leagues. But he's in a better place. Uh, He's a veteran. He's stronger. He's got five pitches. And we'll see how this plays out. And the other conversation was about a much-needed return to some players in the lineup, and that that begins with Ramon Laureano. And Ramon likely will be activated tomorrow. He's flying back today. Had a good rehab game yesterday. We all saw it was 3-for-3 for Las Vegas. So as we've talked, as the season has unfolded and the struggles have been there, you're doing so without you know, your three and four hitters in the lineup. Seth Brown is still weeks away. He's just taking dry swings and starting to throw. You're, you're missing Rosinski and Blackburn, who are projected to be at the front of your rotation. You're missing... You know, Jimenez and, and Trevor May, who are expected to be, you know, back end of the bullpen guys protecting leads. And when, when you're a team that was already going to be challenged in a lot of ways and you're missing those significant pieces, that's part of why, it's not the only reason, but it's part of why the A's are 5-21. and 21. Uh, And he also lamented 
the defense has to get better. And not by saying make the extraordinary play, make the routine play. We need more ordinary plays made. Yesterday the A's had opportunities to turn double plays that they did not turn. They gave the opposition extra outs. That's just not a place the A's can be right now. Yeah, little things turn into big things. And that has really hurt the A's. And when you start talking about going into a season – and there's a lot of ifs. If this goes well, and we talked to David Force about this earlier today, about all the ifs going well, okay, it, it, you, you got a shot. Problem is a lot of ifs haven't gone their way, and that's why we're, we're, why, where we're at. Well, take, for example, the series against the Angels. Four games. I think it's fair to say three of them were competitive. The A's won the first game. Wild game back and forth. They won 11-10. Second game they lost with the 5-3, something like that. Then or, – or the second or the third game is the 16 to three game, which is the, which we've seen too many of. You know, where the team has allowed too many big innings, and that's something they've got to be better at. I think it's the tenth time they allow ten or more runs, or the eleventh time they allow ten or more runs in a game. Well, I can tell you, it's the thir- they've now 30 <laughs> times have had an inning of three or more right. runs given up. Yeah, the big inning, and that was discussed on on the manager show, which you'll hear on the pregame later. How do you how do you avoid that? And part of it's just making those plays that we just that we just discussed. So uh, then, you know, yesterday uh, the A's were down 5 nothing against a guy that looked like, I mean, it was perfect game alert, perf- perfect game alert, let alone no-hitter alert with the way it was. We had not seen Otani with this new sweeper, which breaks about this much. I mean, talking to the hitters today about facing that pitch, it was crazy what, what he was able to do with that. And, you know, hardly throwing the fastball anymore, like 25% of the time. Oh, by the way, he's got 98 in his back pocket. So what he has morphed into as a pitcher is going to be really uh, interesting to watch unfold as the year plays out. So then they score the four, the five runs, tie the game, had a chance to even get more in that inning, and suddenly he reared back with the fastballs and got out of it with the strikeout. And then the A's had the chances later and just couldn't get the big hit, couldn't get the ball in the air when had a guy at third base with less than two outs. Those are things they have to get better at. If they, if they get better at that, then you have a chance to, to win that game. And right now this club does not have an expectation of winning. They're just, they're just not there, and they're facing teams like the Angels that have that expectation, and there will come a time this year, hopefully sooner as opposed to they're later. They're going to win at some point. That, there that, will they'll be have, some wins. They'll have some of that, that confidence going throughout the lineup, and you'll see contributions one through nine instead of just waiting for Brent Rooker right now to get up and hope that he can you know, run into one or that you know, Ruiz gets on base and he can steal his way around and, and score a run that way. You know, with all the data coming in, I mean, even Sessa, the guy going tonight, he, he throws sliders almost 40% of the time. Right. You know, we were all taught growing up that fastball is the best pitch. Strike one's the number one pitch. Fastball. Everything then is off the fastball. But as we're seeing now, and Hawkeye is really kind of changing things, we've gotten into that with Eno Saris. But, you know, the pitch that's being thrown more than anything else, whether you call it a cutter slider, sweeper, but a ball that's breaking, however you want, it's breaking. Right. And that, that's being thrown more than ever than a four-seam, which is a straight fastball, or a two-seamer, which gives you a little sink. But fastball used to be the most thrown pitch. A variation of a breaking ball is now the most thrown pitch in baseball, and that's changed dramatically. Who's your first big league club? Houston? Yes. I mean, you think about where that started for you the way pitching was then and right. where we are now. Yeah. Totally different. Well, Otani, again, the example yesterday, the cutter moves this much across. The uh, sweeper probably moves this much across. The slider is down here, and he still throws the curveball down here. 
let alone when he, when he decides to dial it up at 98. So to your point, there's so many different methods to the madness of yeah. getting spin and how the hitters have to adjust to that. It's just fans have a way of watching the game through rose-colored glasses. This game is really hard, and it's getting harder to hit a baseball because of the, the way that pitchers are manipul- manipulating the baseball. I mean, it's like when you have your straight shot, your baby draw. Then yeah, you I got need all a, that. Then you need the bigger draw. Then you want to cut it. I mean, it's like you off the tee. There's one shot I hope to have every time I play. <laughs> forward. That's all I'm asking for. If I can get forward, then it's a good shot. I just want to find it. Can <laughs> I hit it and find the golf course I play? I just want to be able to find it. Uh, Dominic rolled out of bed today and, rolled, and shot a 75. I don't like your son. Yeah. That drives me nuts. Um, Brent Rooker, I, I, I kind of – I don't want to – I'm not jinxing it. I'm trying to knock on wood everywhere I right can. Here. I just I I, I was here. I was doing the show yesterday on NBC with Johnny Gomes. And I just let it fly. I went well. You know, if there's going to be an All Star, he's the All Star right now. And I went, oh God, don't want to jinx it. But Brent Brent Rooker. I mean, you look at the numbers. I mean, if, if there's got to be a guy right now, sure. I mean, it's it, his start's been amazing. Everything you see, hard hard hit rate, the walks. This is the this is the model A of an A's player. From, from years gone by, we talk about the greats. Yeah, I don't know where it's going to end up. I'm just saying in this short sample size, he's done a lot of those things. That said, and I discussed this with Mark on the pregame show, he's hit five of his home runs against fastballs. Okay, the time is going to come where we're going to see more of that. He's, he just, he's just going to get more spin. That's just all there is to it. That's the nature of the cat and mouse of the adjustments and the readjustments between pitching and hitting. And how does he handle that? Yes, you're still looking for the fastball, but the reality is now for me, these next – games, several games, couple weeks. I want to see how he handles the fact that they know who, he, who he's becoming or what he's been able to do and get him off the fastball and get him to chase. If they don't get him to chase because we've seen the walk rate go up, then you're starting to see the things you're talking about where he, he has that deserved conversation about being the A's representative at the All-Star game. But he's going to find out that he's going to see a lot of that, and, and unless he can hit it or lay off of it, it's, he might go through, a, go through a stretch here where it's going to be um, maybe getting the one pitch, maybe not even per at-bat, but maybe one pitch per couple of at-bats that he hopes that he can get and do something with. I know when the games are over and you're probably on the team bus, you're listening to the A's Clubhouse show. I'm <laughs> sure you are. <laughs> right? Not only am I listening to it, but I, 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 I got the uh, closed captioning going too. <laughs> so I want to make sure that I've got it exactly right. I know. You're listening to the whole show. You're appreciating all the phone calls. Um, but – Finally, tonight is something that I, I've kind of been discussing, and it kind of goes back, and I think all the A's fans from yesteryear understand, and we've talked to Carney Lansford about this a lot, like what was it like to hit with Ricky Henderson on base? You're hitting two. He's on base. Carney has told us multiple times, he just told us down at fantasy camp, uh, about how there were pitches that he wanted to swing at, but he knew he had to take. And, I mean, it's just literally fried me Tony Kemp, Jordan Diaz. Sure. And finally, yesterday was capable, but I've been saying no one sees more pitches than Ryan Noda. He, it's almost five pitches per at-bat. He walks a lot. As we joke the money ball, what does he do? He gets on base. To me, finally seeing it tonight, I think he's the perfect guy to hit two in front of Ruiz because he's going to take pitches. He's super patient. And let the kid just run. And it'll be fun to watch. I mean, 10 for 10 so far. And he hasn't really had it. He could easily have 15 or 18 yeah. if the A's weren't in the position they've been in or have really kept 
the reins on him because you're down nine to one or facing left-handers and just want to get his feet wet. Now it's green as go. He's got the green light. So off and running. And, and here's a trivia question for you. As I looked up today, and I was shocked to see it. Luis Robert leads uh, Major League Baseball in arm strength. You know, center fielder for the for the White Sox. No, 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 no undershirt, open yeah. jewelry, and just, just like you hang the fr- the Frenchman. He called him Luis Robert at one yeah. point. The French okay. Cuban, Luis <laughs> Robert. So eighty six point one miles per hour arm strength with all the different analytics. Esther Uri Ruiz is tied for first place at eighty six point one. Come on. How is that possible? The numbers don't lie. I was shocked to see it too. But that's look. This is a this is still an extremely raw piece of clay in in center field. So he's like Jesse Barfield and, well, and Dave Winfield and Daryl Strawberry with shorter, that rocket arm. Shorter spurts certainly. <laughs> I haven't haven't seen that kind of a throw really. Throwing from, like Griffey? Are yeah, you serious? Clemente from the right field corner. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Parker, Parker, the All Star. The game. Cobra. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I saw that today. I was surprised. They want him now to play in. They want him to play a little more shallow. That's what they're asking to, to have happen now. Uh, the ball that knuckled on him that he misplayed into the yeah. – I asked Marcotte about that the next day because I thought it knuckled. And Ken was accurate in saying, look, he, he also – he made an aggressive turn one way and the ball went the other, and that's what part of that happened. And then he's diving it sideways yeah, well, and he you're was lost. Yeah, you're lost. He wasn't even close. You're begging. Well, and yeah. we talked about the postgame show. Hey, listen, no matter what you do, the number one rule of thumb as an outfielder, it doesn't get behind you. Sure. Well, some circumstances like that happen, and to your point, the one play that came to mind for Morcatze was a guy that won a bunch of gold gloves that happened to, too, Torrey Hunter, in the playoffs inside the park home run in the Metrodome. So it, it can happen even to the best of them. So, look, he's a rookie. He's learning. He's only played the position two years. There's an enormous amount of physicality there. It's going to take some time for it to really mold into the guy that you want him to be. Johnny Gomes made a good point. I, I think it was on our show on Friday or – it was on TV. It, it, it's, and, and we were going back to his Ray. You know, we were making fun of Johnny. Hey, you're so old, you were a Devil Ray, mm-hmm. right? And we were talking about his early days with the Devil Rays. And what Johnny said, and I think it's a great point, I don't know if they're saying this to guys in the clubhouse, probably not, but Johnny would. He'd be like, hey, on a team like this with young players, one of you is going to have a chance at Rookie of the Year. Mm. And I was like, huh, I never would have – I. That's a glass half full, obviously, but yeah. I start thinking we had, we, we had the uh, calculator going. Going in, I think it was yesterday, uh, Ruiz was it was like on pace for 58, got another stolen base. I mean, if he puts out 70, if Mark Kotze told it, you're going to hear it today at what time is Kotze, 5 o'clock or no, 5.30. Mark Kotze on the Mark Kotze show said we're going to run him wild. One of you gets 70, 80. Now you're going to be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. Absolutely. Who's the last day to lead the league in stolen bases? Well, we're not even allowed to talk about stolen bases till this year. Come on, it's in its, but it's Ricky Anderson. No, Coco. Coco oh, Coco, what? Oh eight or something like that. Two thousand eleven. He had forty nine steals. Ricky only led the league eleven times. That's it. Yeah, not all with the A's. A lot of those with the Yankees. It's hard to believe. Coco's my favorite line from Coco when I visited with them last year on the "Where Are They Now?" segments. And I asked him what it was like to have Ricky in spring training talk to guys like you and accomplish basically, but still learning some of the nuances of it. And he goes, we all came out there, and we had our baseball spikes on, ready to get our jumps and turn and go to second base. And we had our spikes on, and Ricky came out. He had, like, sneakers on. And Coco goes, Ricky, how come you don't have your spikes on? He goes, 
Ricky don't need spikes. Ricky floats. <laughs> that is Ricky Henderson to a T. And Ricky, I know you're watching. I miss you. I'd like to see more of you out here. Yeah, that would be great to see. I mean, especially with, with a lot of the young players. All right, we're, we're almost through this month. What, what are some uh, thoughts? Because one of the things about Vince that's great to have him on is he truly covers and does no- – you should see his notes. It's unbelievable. Uh, first month, what are some observations, good or bad? You know, because I know people are worried about the Cardinals. People are super, super excited about the Rays and the Pirates and White Sox are in trouble. Yeah. What, are, what are some things all, you've been thinking about? All that is certainly, you know, in that, in that pot of, of, again, it's just the first month. You can't – the adage that you can't win it, but you can lose it in the first month. So, if, to that case, I think that's where the White Sox are right now. They're, they're certainly in trouble. I'm really impressed with the Minnesota pitching staff, even though they're only four games over 500. The way that they are making things happen – uh, Jonah Heim has turned out to be a pretty good catcher in Texas. Excellent framer. Seems to become a leader behind the plate for those guys. Uh, that pitching staff, if they stay healthy, uh, they're going to be good. Now their bullpen obviously had an issue against Cincinnati. The old sweep by the Reds. Three late comebacks against them. I'm still uh, curious about the Angels, especially after just seeing them. I don't know about their bullpen, how that's going to play out. They don't really have a, a definitive nine, like a ninth inning guy, and Phil Nevin even told us that on the pregame show two days ago. So that's, that's what I see on, on that side. Uh, we haven't seen the Mariners yet. We won't see them until, you know, after this series. And they have, you know, the, the one-rung magic is not there this year. The for, fun differential? Yeah. The, the, well, they're not winning the one-run game, so yeah. that's, that's something that – Ray being out. Something that they that – they, they had no injuries to their starting rotation last year. You know, they moved Castillo in there. And ran the table when he came over in, in uh, early August. Aside from that, they ran the same guys through there. Not the, the A's with, with Rosinski, if I'm not mistaken, he's their ninth starting pitcher already this year. Ninth different starting pitcher. And the Rays continue to do it. They've had eight starting pitchers, and they continue to mix and match. You know, the National League, I'm really not as in tune with, although I, I keep on reading the, co- the comments from uh, Ollie Marmel, and it's just, they're really, I don't know, they're kind of unique comments from, they, they don't sound like somebody that's that's been there before, like on the field, that's gone through some of these challenges that you would hear from a, a, an ex-veteran player that now becomes a manager. Um, it just it sounds a little stressed to me over there, and I think with guys like Arenado and Goldschmidt, uh, Wainwright, uh, I'm not so sure that's the right, the right tone and to you take. Had the, and you had a manager in Schilt who was like a veteran guy who yeah. had led you, and you, yeah. you parted ways with him for this guy. And it, you kind of look like the, the house guy, and yeah. it's just, ew. And Atlanta's pretty good. they got a pretty good catcher. Yeah, he's not bad. He's got a pretty good catcher. they got a good first baseman, yeah, too. Yeah, they do. Well, speaking of XAs, too, I mean, how about Jorge Mateo, who we never even gave a shot, sure. actually starting to really play well in Baltimore. Yeah, led the league in steals last year, but that was only in the 30s. And, you know, that number's going to be obliterated this year with all the changes. But he, that, that's the point, is at the time that he was with the A's, they had Marcus Simeon. There was no room at the end for him. And he got to a place in Baltimore where they had kept on losing games, and he was given a chance to grow, which is where the A's have got to be. And if this is where they are right now, then you have to find out who some of these young guys are if, if they can step up and, and be the, the next group for you and, and take a chance on a guy with raw skills like a Mateo and, and see how it plays out. Um, I think Ruiz is in that category right now. Um, 
That's 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 kind of where they are. Is is his security ready to take him back to the press box? Uh, yeah, you got the presidential security and the okay. secret services here. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we gotta make sure. Yeah. You know, it's like being with Bieber. It's weird. <laughs> it's just that. I gotta go talk to uh, David Bell down on the field, who I re- I love the fam- I love the Bell family. Buddy Bell is one of the finest human beings on the planet, and I got to meet T.J. Friedel, who went to, to Foothill High in Pleasanton, and just hear those old stories. See who, who he liked growing up. Is he still rocking the long hair? I don't know. We'll find, me with hair, I don't really pay that close <laughs> attention. That's not something I really key in on. He's what playing center tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Nick Senzel was at third base today. Remember Nick Senzel when he came up like this guy's the next great. We'll see. Yeah. They got some. I mean, it's interesting. They just had a good weekend. They did. The A's need a good. Can weekend. we win a series? The A's need a good weekend. We need to win one series, and if you win two games in a row, it's a winning streak. There you go. Have a good call, my friend. Thank you, Tony. We'll See be listening to you and the Skipper in the A's s- Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. The Skipper? The Skipper, Mark Kotze. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got Johnny D by my side today, too. Ginger and Marianne yeah, okay. and the whole crew. <laughs> yeah. All righty, coming up next, we're going to have Mason Miller right here from the Treehouse. It's happy hour. Come see us. A's pre, not A's pregame live. What are we? A's. I can do so many shows, I forget. It's A's live right here on A's. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Oh, we're just sitting around talking shop. I mean, we got power brokers here. You always hear us talk about Delaire. Delaire Lawar's the boss. He's here. We got Raider Vito. Raider Vito over here. Vittorio DiBartolo. Oh, I mean, we're talking Bay Area media power brokers. The amount of Emmys in this room is disgusting. When are we, we going to win one? I mean, the ego in this room is unbelievable. I, we're just here. Hey, we're just here to help the ball club. That's yep. what we're here for. We're here to have fun. You know, Billy wants to keep the money on the field. <laughs> Was, it, was that the line? Yes. Billy likes to keep the money on the field. Is that Peter Brand? Where, where, am, where, am I, where am I seeing the money I'm paying for soda? 
Billy likes to keep the money on the field. <laughs> it is one of the great lines. Uh, sweeper. I can't. Uh, we, 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 need, we need to, because you know how I feel about it. it. To me, it's just the slurve that's been going around forever. You come more, instead of the curveball, which is 12-6, sliders like this because you just want the tight spin. The sweeper, you're kind of coming around it. Instead of throwing just like a, throwing like a frisbee, you throw a frisbee. You're kind of coming around it like this, so it gives it this action. Whoop! It's a bigger breaker. Now, I got data on it. I just don't know. I mean, if you want it, okay. Sweeper last two seasons, the velocity is 81.7 versus the slider, which is more like a fastball. You're just kind of coming around the ball a little bit. That velocity is 85. Because there's a difference of how. So if I had a ball, if I this would be my fastball grip, my slider grip's going to be like this, but I'm still throwing it like a fastball. And so that's how you get that tight dot, that tight spin. Sweeper, I'm coming around this thing. I'm not, it's not like a 12-6 curveball. I'm kind of coming around it. So you're not going to get the same velocity the way it's being released out of your hand, but you're getting way more spin out of it. Now, the problem with the sweeper that, if you hang it, they're going to bang it. Because you're talking about an 81 point, so basically an 82-mile-an-hour hanging spinning ball there, which is just going to scream hit me. But right now, players, because they're not used to seeing something going horizontal. They're not used to that. They'll get used to it. They get used to everything. Remember when a guy threw 100 miles an hour and no one could hit it? They got used to it. And they've now gotten used to velocity at every level. But before, back in the day, if somebody came out as a closer and was throwing 100, guys were just baffled by it. Athletes adjust to everything. Remember that. They adjust to everything. Whatever you throw at them, you may fool them at first, but they will adjust. Players are going to adjust to this right now. It's more of a break than they've seen. And remember, they're so geeked up on velocity as I said, you're throwing this, 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 this sideways breaking pitch that has less downward movement. It's just going sideways. So basically, they talk about the glove side. So if the you know, catcher's glove side is going to be his left hand, right? Correct. Okay, the glove side break. They talk about the glove side break, the movement. A slider is six inches. It's 15 inches for a catcher with the sweeper. So a right-handed hitter, they're seeing it. It's going towards Cody, but it's not going down. It's going sideways. So it's like something, and it's working right now. And it's a pitch that obviously guys are feeling like they can throw it for a strike, and they can throw it for a strike at will. It's a weapon. I mean, going tonight, you look at Sessa, Luis Sessa, 31 years old, journeyman pitcher. Did you know? The guy going tonight for the Cincinnati Reds, I believe he was an international signing out of Mexico. For the Yankees? No, I think the Mets. Well, so I remember him as a Yankee. No, no, he, he, I believe it was the Mets. He was a shortstop. His first couple of years. In didn't know that. I knew minor, he was a Yankee. In minor league baseball, he pitched in the big leagues with the Yankees, but he didn't sign with the Yankees. He came in as a shortstop. So he's a converted guy. So good for him, 31 years old. He's stuck around in the league. But he's going to throw. For, tonight what you're going to see, what he's doing this year, 
And what you're seeing from a lot of pitchers, it's 40% sliders. Yeah, he's not having a very – the Reds don't really hit well for him. Well, I mean, he's what is he, 0-3 with like an ERA over 10, which uh, he fit right into the A's rotation. Oh, that you know, that shot's fired right there. <laughs> what did I say? It was incorrect. That's shot. I'm, I'm excited to talk to Mason Miller. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, I'm excited to hear you talk to Mason Miller. I don't, there's really nothing I could add to the conversation. You just sit over there and look yeah. pretty in your jacket. Yeah. It's like 90 degrees out and I'm wearing a jacket. It's not. It's not. It's uh, when you're at this part of the Coliseum where the wind is whipping. Yeah, it's not. It's not warm by any stretch of the imagination. But Mason Miller is the type of guy that gives people reason to be like, and this is what we talk about with the young players. It gives people the reason to say, I want to watch this game. We saw it in our numbers. We saw our numbers. We saw it in downloads. For that day that Mason Miller pitched, everything went up. Excitement. I mean, we saw this. Uh, we saw how many people were excited about him. How many people? Do you want? Do you want to come in and say hello to the fans? Just let, let Johnny D come in and say hello. It's your first time in the treehouse. Where the hell you been? You know, as Vita Blue once said. Vita Blue once said to somebody, you're not in Fresno anymore. Yeah, yeah. That was when, obviously, the Giants AAA was in Fresno. Yeah. It was a classic Vita Blue. You're not in Fresno anymore. Uh, you're not in Sac and Reno anymore. Yeah. This is the treehouse. This is the big leagues. This was this built for me. Yep. yep. I, I, I believe it. We originally, it. before COVID, I did every pregame show from here. I love it up here, to be honest with you. This place is awesome. Yeah, this man. used to be just a generic bar. The bar on the other end used to be the same. Yeah. This was built basically for the Raiders. This was, was, was game day bars for yeah. the Raiders. They were just generic bars because that's all you need for football games. Yeah. All people want to do is get liquored up and get back to their seats. So what we did was completely change this, and this is where the party has been. This is awesome. Yeah. This is awesome. Great. Wow. Great spot. Well, uh, say hello, and you got to go. I got to go. I love Hey. Hey, I'm going to come back here. And do a show He's going to come back and do a show. Thank you for the warning. The great. We're busy. We're booked that day. Yeah, we're booked. We're booked. Oh, you didn't see like a true talent. He just walks away and doesn't put the stance uh, in t- back. He's up. a TV guy, so now he doesn't have to worry about. People re- do it for him. Wrecking our set. Yes. D- does he have his makeup on today? Ken Korak taking the day off. Good for Ken. Doesn't want to see the Reds? I don't, I don't understand. A- they they a- come a- once a year. I know, it's like, I know he's not a big interleague guy, but. Am I? Am I? Am I, I? I'm not jinx, jinxing Rooker on the All Star thing, am I? No, I'm pretty sure the MLB notes mentioned Rooker as an All Star candidate too. Yeah, but I, I, it's I, April 28th. I started doing that the last two days. Because here's something that I do know. Are you saying our good friend Moses is ripping you off? I'm just saying there's something I I, I, I do know. We will have somebody in the All Star game. Really going on a limb on that one. I'm not Captain Obvious. Not Captain. We, 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 need, we need a sounder. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I mean, That's not Captain Obvious. I mean, we will have somebody in the All-Star game. Somebody will be wearing an Oakland A's uniform. Could be maybe, maybe, well, so are, there's still a lot of time until the All-Star game. There, maybe there's more than one. Este Uri could be He could be guy. in there. Rooker could be in there. Zach Jackson's actually having a very good start to the year. That's a stretch, but. Hey, ERA's pretty good. Well, a stretch, they don't care about bullpen guys. They, they, if they need, if they're like, well, we got to pick somebody, 
it's it's a lot easier just to pick a bullpen guy. Well, that's why you see a lot of teams when they're they're not very good. It's always their closer that goes. For years, when the Pirates were awful, it was Mike Williams. The Pirates closer was always in the All Star game. And, and and I'll admit it, I was against Roker making the roster. I mean, we both asked what well, well, him over Pache, and then now now the the best is everyone's like, well, yeah, Roker's great, and you know, blah, blah, blah. the same people they're mad that that uh, Pache didn't make the team, and everyone's like, well, Pache's doing great for the Phillies. He's had like twenty five at bats. But I will still say, if I'm looking at... Well, close your eyes. Close my eyes. Who's here in three years? Do I see Brent Rooker at 31, 32 years old here? No. Pache, potentially. That was my whole thing. It's like, and I understand for fans. Fans are about, well, I'm, ba- I'm coming to games now, so what's happening now? Yeah. So I understand that. I'm going to be here with you too, fans. I'm here at every game also, but I also want to win and get out of this funk, and I want to find players, and I know it's going to be probably two, three years. Who's going to be here two, three years from now? That's why I would have given Pache every single opportunity. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. Then Ruiz would have been affected. I don't know. But Rooker has earned every bit of what he's getting right now. And that's what professional sports should be. You should earn it. He's back in the three-hole again tonight. You should earn it. If you're playing well, you earn the right. He's earned the time. Put him in the lineup. He's earned the right, too, now, that if he does go on a little bit of a a little bit of a slide, he, he has every right to still stay in there and still get going with him. Yeah. I mean, or, or, or as I should say, He's earned the right to stay in the lineup and not be messing with, keep him in there every day. He's got to go on a really drop for them to think about pulling him out. He's earned the right to play every single day. You want to give him a day off, fine. But he's earned the right to be in the lineup every single day. I, I, I told you before, our, um, our old coworker, uh, Carl Buschek, wrote an article about saying how he compared him to being the right-handed Brandon Boss. Which isn't a bad comp. I mean, Brandon Moss. I mean, he hits the ball harder. They you couldn't track Statcast back then, but what he they what Brandon Moss brought to the A's, Brent Rooker's bringing right now. Moss didn't really break out until he was older too. He was a Red Sox prospect. It's not not apples to apples because Moss was in the minor leagues. Moss only got brought up because there was a point in, this, in his contract that if they didn't bring him up, he could opt out and be a free agent. Rooker made the team. Yeah, the roster out of spring training. Yeah, I know. I just, I just like. I'm, I'm just, I was just trying to think of guys that the A's had. I understand what the comp is. I yeah, understand. and it's like an under underrated signing, or you know, uh, you know, wasn't underreported signing. Like, oh, like Rooker's here. Everyone's like, huh. most people are like, who's Brent Rooker? You remember, I watch every game at, at Mississippi State. Yeah, so. no, no, no. Trust me, I got texts going. This guy was great in the SEC. I'm, oh, <laughs> I forgot. You guys are all watching a ton of SEC baseball, and now you guys all know what he did in SEC college. Network, baby. Yeah. You guys are amazing. You and the other guys on my phone are amazing. Like, all of a sudden, yeah, but Brent Rooker would have started out and hitting 200 and he wouldn't be here anymore. You guys wouldn't be like, oh, I watched him in the SEC. Probably not, no. Bunch of fake YouTube scouts you guys all are. Uh, we got a bingo going on. We got bingo going on. We got we got Drink uh, specials, bingo, and prizes. And then, then, then the Warrior game's on in front of us. We'll... 
Will the Kings light the beam, or is it gonna the beam gonna be done tonight? You know what's you know what's weird. When was the last game? Uh, Wednesday. So Wednesday, I was at home, and I went out at night and I looked into the sky, and I didn't see anything. There was no beam. There's no beam. What happened to your light the beam? You realize if Sacramento loses this after being up 2-0 and talking as much trash as they were talking, that city to the north, I won't even mention their name, that city to the north, the capital. The 916. What a gag job. and Because you, you know there is this group of Sacramento Kings fans who they remember when they had their time with Rick Adelman and C-Webb and Peja and those guys, and they got they did get screwed in that game against the Lakers where the Lakers took 8,000 foul shots. Who was the ref? Was it Dick Pavetta? Is that who the ref was? I don't remember. But, but they were like the hot thing in the NBA. Did they ever make the NBA Finals? No. So after all those years, they get rid of Rick Adelman, and then the thing just crashes. Yeah, and they remember we were the best team in the NBA. We were that. And then the Warriors – Finally, after all the years of being horrible, turn it around, and they turn it around to greatness. I mean, this is one of the greatest runs in the history of the NBA. There's no doubt. Whether you hate the Warriors or not, you've got a five NBA, uh, five times going to the NBA Finals, winning four titles. It's pretty amazing. And now Sacramento's been tired of how arrogant the Bay Area has been about because there's a lot of Bay Area people that have moved to Sacramento. And they're tired of warrior people crapping on them. So they felt like this was their time. This was the Kings' time to finally shut those warrior fans up. And they're up 2-0. And they're lighting their stupid beam. Oh, we're lighting the beam. We're lighting the beam. And they're talking trash. And you go down tonight, game six. What happens when you go up 2-0 and then you lose in game six? Series is usually over. But what does that mean? Um, it all fell apart. Mason Miller's here. That's, we'll end the uh, lighting the beam talk. It means you lost four straight. Yes, and the Warriors finally won a road game, though. Four. That means you lost four straight. We're going to bring Mason Miller over. C Cody's shaking hands. Yeah, so Warriors. So that's the thing you can do. You can come in here, happy hour. we got baseball games on. We've got... Uh, We've got the Warrior game on, the playoffs. So uh, that's why you want to do happy hour. Let's put that headset on. Get this out of your way. Well, let me introduce myself. My name is Chris Townsend. I do all the A stuff. Nice to meet you, Chris. Nice to meet you. Uh, hell of a run so far. How's it been? It's been exciting. You know, I felt like I got to breathe a little bit. I was just telling Olivia on the way up here. You know, it's nice to take in the Coliseum and, you know, not be pressed like I was on my debut day, but uh, I'm excited, you know. Yeah, there is something that's so different, like, you know, the day we got to get your parents here, we got to get everybody here, you know, you got to get the whole thing rolling, so much pressure. You know, now your next start's going to be your third start. Now you can really, what do I do in between starts? How do I get prepared? Just talk about the difference you feel now coming to the ballpark where there's just there's not a whole lot of chaos around you. Yeah, yeah. No, the first couple of days were nothing but chaotic. Yeah. Um, you know, coming pitching on a getaway day too. So, 
you know, being able to get back to pitching, doing my routines, um, kind of learning what it's like to be a big leaguer every single day now. Um, you know, it's been it's been great, and I'm learning a lot every day. But you know, I'm excited to get back out there and, and pitch because that's what I love. You know, your rise ha- has been unbelievable, and obviously. We've learned uh, uh, about your type one diabetes, and I can speak to it. My daughter is a type one diabetic, oh, and nice. I and I and I remember what she was like until we finally was diagnosed, and then once you start treating, and now what she, I I, I, I could see how what your body and how hard it was for you in so many different ways. But then once you start controlling your blood sugar and insulin and everything that that you do, that all of a sudden here comes the strength. And then all of a sudden, bang, I'm throwing 100 miles an hour. That had to just be incredible. It was awesome. I mean, baseball aside, just, you know, the life, quality of life that, yeah. you know, I was able to achieve once I was diagnosed was nothing but life-changing. Um, and then to have, you know, the performance tick up as it did, um, you know, it's truly a blessing. And, you know, it was a shock. I'm sure as a parent you knew when your daughter was diagnosed how much it's of a shock hard. it was. It's really hard. And yeah. you don't really know what, what to expect in that moment. Um, so I definitely – Definitely thought it was going to be, you know, this crazy thing that took took a lot of things away from me. But, um, you know, it actually gave me plenty of opportunities. And, you know, to be seated here and, you know, playing games on, on the field down there is, you know, I don't think I'd be there without that diagnosis and, you know, getting to this point where I would be as a healthy individual. Was the the tick up in velocity, it was a huge, but was it slow or was it close to immediate? It was slow. Um, well, I guess, relatively speaking, slow. It's been pretty steady weight gain throughout the years. Um, you know, even when I was drafted, I was about 210 pounds. So I'm about 20 pounds heavier now. Um, it's just been, you know, a couple miles an hour, a couple pounds every year. Uh, so I think it's been a good gradual gain. Um, but, yeah, it's it's good that it happened, you know, consistently, I think, and not too much at once or not enough at once. So I think it's been really good. Now, you know this, playing in minor league baseball, we're going to find a lot of guys that throw hard, but they have no idea where it's going. How much of you pitching – you had to be a pitcher. At the velocity you were at, you had to throw strikes. Mm-hmm. You had to hit corners. You had to vary your speeds. How much did learning how to pitch that way and then the velocity comes has helped you be a guy that no matter how hard you throw, you still know how to throw strikes. I mean, throwing strikes is the most important thing. You know, you, whether you throw 105, 95, 85, if you're not throwing strikes, you can't get anybody out. Um, you know, it just came to a point where I felt like everybody that was scoring when I was pitching was either somebody that I hit by pitch or walked. So I just kind of made a concerted effort that, you know, I'd rather have a guy get a hit than me walk him. Because not only does that save me pitches, you know, it – it forces me to be in the zone more. And that's just like my mentality now is, you know, I got a guy has to be with his bat. I'm not going to beat myself. You didn't have a lot of time in the minor leagues. You only had one start in, in, in AAA, obviously Arizona Fall League. But just now that ha- this has gone so fast, just how dramatic is the difference pitching up here with the technology and everything they have for you versus what you're going through the, the, the quick spurt through the minor leagues? You know, I think we have a lot of resources through the minor leagues. You know, I think it's the consistency of that availability that it's every single time you're off the mound up here, you know, you have any sort of metric you want. Um, and honestly, I'm still trying to figure out what, what I want and what I don't need um, and what I could try. Um, but just having that endless amount of resources and what you need at your disposal every single day is, you know, it's a game changer for sure. Yeah, I like, I like when you say it because you don't need to take everything in. Mm-hmm. You need to – got to do what's right for you and what helps you. Yeah. 
for sure. I think all the analytics and everything's great and it's certainly a part of the game. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to go out there and execute, you know, your pitches if you're a pitcher and, you know, take yourself through a good at bat, be a good teammate through through the game if you're a batter. Um, you know, it's it's part of the game for sure, but it comes down to you got to go out and play still. All right, what's the wow wow moment? Like you're out on the mound or you're in the dugout or you're in the clubhouse and you just go, holy blank, I'm in the big leagues. What was the wow moment? I mean, going out there and taking the mound on my debut was, I mean, everybody told me like, hey, make sure you take a moment and soak it in. So I went out before that first inning and kind of like looked around and everything, took it all in. And I mean, it's surreal. You know, it's happened really fast for me. So I feel like I haven't even had a chance to fully like take in you know, what, what's happened in the past couple of weeks for me. So uh, to be one week in Midland, one week in Vegas, and then here, you know, I'm definitely blessed, and I think I've earned it, but I'm going to continue to work hard and, uh, you know, show that I do belong here. One week in Midland, one week in Vegas, and now here's Otani and Trout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. a crazy ride. It is, yeah. I mean, Bellinger, Bellinger being my first punch out. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, after that rough first inning, coming back in the second to get Trout and Otani, I think I was pretty cool, and I think those are big moments that I can, you know, look at in my young career and, and say that, you know, I, I'm ready. All right, so we've all enjoyed the two the, the two starts, but there's things you can get better at, mm -hmm. and now that you're kind of settling in, now you start to look at start three, four, and five coming up here. What do you think you need to get better at? I think just getting guys out faster. You know, I've, I've gone 80, 80, 85 pitches both starts, you know, and I, I'd like to go more than four innings on that. Um, so definitely getting some quicker outs, putting guys away, um, being in the zone a little bit more. I've taken counts a little deeper than I've wanted to. Um, so I think that starts with strike one. And, you know, I think, I think guys will be hacking on my fastball. So if I can locate it early in accounts, you know, get some weak, weak contact, I think that'll be good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I've kept the walks down, which is good. But, you know, I'd like to get to plus counts sooner and more yeah. often than I am. That's the thing. I mean, we all love strikeouts. We hate walks. But problem with strikeouts, walks kind of – go with that and that just drives the pitch count and obviously we're all terrified of pitch counts for some reason in baseball <laughs> now but I like how you said that because that's one thing you know you keep the, the you keep the pitch count down the longer you're going to be in games yeah yeah and that's that's my goal that's that's better for our guys in the bullpen throughout the week better for me because I'm on the field more you know I I live for that one day a week where I get to go out there and pitch so I want it to be six plus innings you know I don't want it to be four so that's what I'm working on right now. That's what my goal is going to be going out there. I know we gotta uh, got to let you go, but uh, just talk about your next start will be what? Against the Seattle Mariners. Mm -hmm. yep. Going to be here. What's preparation like going into the start? Well, it's really taking the extra day this week, you know, since I, I went Tuesday last week, and I'm going to have an extra day with the day off. Um, so just feeling good, you know, keeping the body where it needs to be, not letting things speed up on me, and just, you know, kind of moving into the start as I've done in the past, you know, doing some prep work, looking at their batters. Um, you know, I'll get off the mound tomorrow for my bullpen. So just being in a good spot, ready to go out and compete. Well, I want you to know A's fans have been really excited that you were coming up. Just to let you know, this yeah. show right here, A's Cast Live, which we'll take and put on YouTube, and people can download the audio. And then the post-game show that I do after every single game, callers call in, uh, that got tremendous downloads. That one day you pitched on opening day, all of our numbers were up. That's so awesome. That, so that shows A's fans. Very excited to have you here. Congratulations on everything. Congratulations with everything you've done with diabetes because that's something as you go on your career, you'll be able to, to help a lot of different kids who are going through it who 
kids need to get checked when they yeah. don't even know. So mm -hmm. I think I think you'd be a real big advocate for that. Yeah, I hope so too. You know, thank you for having me. Up thank there. you very Appreciate much. That. It's great to meet you, great and we'll be doing well. a lot with you in the future. Awesome. We've got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I got to get out of the way here because all these kids are taking pictures with Mason Miller. And the last thing you want is like me in the background. We're in the background. <laughs> and I thought I was the most famous Pittsburgh person here. I guess not anymore. Not anymore. I'm an afterthought. He's a bit. It's okay. Sorry. Haven't you already been scolded by the great Vito about your Pittsburgh crap you bring here <laughs> that no one cares about? Except my Pirates raise the Jolly Roger. Best team in the National League. Pirates stay hot. No, they, they don't play anyone. They haven't played anyone. It is amazing all the Debbie Downers in baseball that, like, Pirates are playing well. And all anybody wants to do is tell you why it's not for real. Like, they haven't played anyone. let them enjoy it. Can't fan bases enjoy their team winning and having a good time? What the hell? I mean. Did he speak the Dodgers to it? Last three? time I checked, it's good for our game to have teams that haven't won to win. It's good. Fact. It's good for the game. It's good for growing the game. And yet these idiots who will go on these shows and they'll write these articles, I don't think it's going to last. By the way, if the Pirates win this year, people will, like, want to watch them. If you put them on, like, a Fox game of the week, they're going to be like, oh, this is Pittsburgh. This is pretty cool. Yeah. There's stories. They're the it's the first time since 2015 that there are 10 games over 500. What do you want to see? Red Sox, Yankees again for the 18th million time? Pass. I mean, there's something about teams that haven't won. Sacramento Kings. A lot of people in the country have been like, it's interesting. Sacramento hasn't been good in years. Game's about to start. So it's like, God, will you you just telling people to – no, I'm saying game rooms. Yeah, you're not supposed to tell people when other things are going on. Didn't you ever get that? Didn't you get the rule book I, I, in I, our business? I'm sorry. I, for, I forgot we weren't on. Hey, everybody, the 49ers are playing Monday Night Football. You, you don't do that. Oh, this isn't terrestrial radio. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're streaming. I know. Different rules, different regulations. I don't follow the handbook. No, stupidity, stupidity, <laughs> whether it's terrestrial or streaming. All right, we have to uh, get to our interviews. Yeah, Mark Kotze first. Mark Kotze. The wait, wait, hold on. Was it Kotze or Forst? David Forst first. All right, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. Here's David Forst. For the David Forst Show here on A's Cast Live, and it's our first edition of kind of our new interview room. You see Mark Kotze here yeah. after games, but this was also designed for us to potentially do shows here if it's going to rain and when we're going to tape shows early. What do you think of the new digs? I like it. I like Cots hanging out behind us. I got a nice desk here. Yeah, good work. Yeah, the, the Mandalorian, the Mark Kotze bobblehead we're giving away during on May the 4th, the 4th Be With You, which will be nice. And talk about your guy, Mark Kotze. You know, we talk to him every single Friday for the Mark Kotze show. And obviously, it's tough for him right now. Mm -hmm. How do you help him through and get through this process? 
how does he help me get through this process? <laughs> well, you're the veteran guy. <laughs> no, I, it, yeah, it, you're absolutely right. This is it's hard. Like this is hard on everybody, and we we don't need to sugarcoat it. I mean, we won two games on the road trip. You know, we're we, our record is what it is. Um, but the guys are grinding it out. I mean, between Mark and the staff, they're working as hard as ever. I mean, say what you want about the results. The players are putting in the time. They're working. We're just not getting results right now. And, and we just haven't played well enough to win most nights. So it, it's hard. Uh, Mark takes things very personally, very hard. He wants, you know, he wants to be the leader. He wants to be sort of the guy who helps get them out of it. And right now, it just isn't happening. So, um, you know, I, he tries to stay as positive as possible. We, we both do. Um, and, and hopefully the players are doing the same because there are positives to take out of every night. Whether it's an inning or two or an at-bat, whatever, there are positives, and those are the things we have to focus on and realize if we do those things more consistently, that's how you get out of this. Yeah, I, I think about preaching patience to a guy that has no patience. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I, I hear you. It's not easy, and, yeah. and, and he, again, he takes these things hard. I'll give him a lot of credit. He goes out, he faces the media after the games. He comes in the next day and wipes the slate clean. Um, but it doesn't mean that, that every one of those losses so far hasn't been hard on him. And, and what's easy for us to talk about it, I think, is like if this was like your first rodeo, your fire, first time going through this, but it's not. I mean, yeah. you've been an executive for this organization. Was it 24th, 25th? 24th year. 24th yeah. year. I mean, you've been through a lot of different things. How does your experience help you for this, which then helps you help everybody else? It's a good question. Um, and and look, to be clear, we haven't been through anything like this in my time. This is different. I mean, we went through periods in, you know, 07 through 11, a little bit in, you know, 15, 16, 17, where, you know, we didn't win. We didn't compete for the playoffs and those things were tough. This is a little different. This is, you know, a complete strip down of, you know, of a lot of the players who are here and depending a lot on new guys and young guys. And, and right now it's just not coming together. So I will say in my experience, you know, you know you have to go through things like this to get back to where we wanna go. You also know that focusing on the minor leagues, on the draft, on those things is what's helpful to us in the front office and my group in baseball operations. We spend a lot of time, you know, working on those things. That's not quite as helpful for the major league guys because they're focused on the field, on this team every single day. You know, I know that Mark and Emo and Tommy and Bushy, they're, they're talking to the minor league guys. They're, they're focusing on those players who are going to be here, but 99% of their focus is right here right now. Yeah, and, and when I think about when we talk about your focus and what you need to do for the organization, you know, at the start of the year, there's like, if everything works out right, this is what the team could be like. Yeah. And unfortunately, not everything did work out right. And I know for like even myself after games or the callers, we all want to be fantasy baseball. Do this, do that. I know it's not that easy. But when do you start looking at it and you go, you know, we're going to have to do a lot of changes? Yeah, we're, we're getting close to that time. I mean, look, we are, you know, not even a month in. Um, and you don't want to make decisions based on, particularly with the guys who have track records. You don't want to make decisions based on 25 or 30 or even 35 games. Um, but at some point, you do need to make changes. And again, I talk about the guys in AAA. There are guys in AA uh, who are performing, who are going to move up and, and become candidates. So I think that's a conversation we have every day is, you know, what are the options? When's the right time? Things like that. We're getting Drew Rusinski back tonight. I'm hopeful that we get Paul Blackburn back. Sometime soon, he has he had a blister on that middle finger, which set him back. So we don't have a time frame. 
Uh, I think we're going to get Ramon back this weekend. There's some light at the end of the tunnel for some of the other injuries. So those things will affect the roster, the you know both 26 and 40 man, the team on the field, and but we know we need to make you know adjustments as we go along. Now we've had all these notes on, on Drew since <laughs> spring training, but we've been. I mean, I've had all this stuff about KBO undrafted out of Ohio Use State. Use them all the night. Let's it, go dump them. Independent ball. <laughs> then next, you know, he's with the Angels. I've had all this cool stuff to say about him, and he's fine. And it was like yeah. funny. I, I said, I'm like. He's not a running back. I don't need him to carry the ball 30 times. I mean, he's got a hamstring problem. But what will it mean to a staff that doesn't throw a lot of strikes yeah. to have a guy that that's what he does? That, that is the most important thing and what we're looking forward to. I think Drew will be the first to tell you that he may not be 100% of what he can be tonight. You know, he threw 85 pitches, got through five innings the other day for Vegas. So he's he is ready to go. It may take a little longer for him to be, you know, mid-season form, but he is going to throw strikes and, and he is going to give us a chance to make plays behind him. And that's frankly what we haven't done enough of. Um, we just, you know, we, we've walked guys, we've put guys on base. We haven't made all the plays when the ball is put in play, but you got to give our fielders a chance. And, and every time you give up a homer, if you put two guys on in front of them, that's what beats you. So we, we have to make that adjustment. You know, I, I know I've been criticized lately, but the reality is, and it's the same thing with you, no matter what's going on around us, you still have to build the organization from a player standpoint. I still have to cover the team. Uh, that That's my job. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be things we are excited about. And I think about when Mason Miller gets up there and he's throwing 100 to 102, or we now have Medina coming up. Yeah. I mean, you're seeing – power arms in the organization. It's hard not to be excited about these guys. It is. And and look, if you're not enjoying that part, if you're not getting excited about that, then that's when you sort of get lost in what's going on right now. So, you know, we talked earlier about how do you get Mark through this? How do you get the coaching staff? Well, you take those sort of little glimmers and you, you think about like what is coming. And Mason's here. Like Mason's made two starts. We've seen the potential. Obviously, he had a rough first inning the other night in Anaheim, but Man, he regrouped and he threw three innings after that when potentially he was going to be out of the game with one more pitch in the first. So that's a huge positive. Medina comes out and you see the stuff and he punches out Trout and he punches out Otani. And yeah, in the middle there, he gave up a bunch of runs and he missed his spots. And he he got shown that big league hitters can hurt you when you miss your spots, even if you're throwing 99. Um, But those are the things you have to hold on to and you have to realize like, hey, they've proven they can do it here. What separates big leaguers from minor leaguers is how often you do it and how consistently you do it. And those guys are going to become big leaguers by doing it more frequently. Yeah, and it's tough to judge somebody on one or two starts in the big leagues. you got to give them some yeah. time. But what we've seen so far, very impressive. And I, I know this isn't real wood, but <laughs> I, I I messed up yesterday on TV. I was doing a A's pre- and post-game live on NBC, and I immediately said, hey, if the A's were to have an all-star, it's Brent Roker. I know it's way too early, and I don't want to jinx them. That's why I'm knocking on wood. But yeah. 305, seven home runs, 18 RBIs, 1,112 OPS, uh, OPS, yeah. OPS plus, everything you look at, weighted runs created plus, whatever the those analytics we still look at. I mean, he is off to an unbelievable start. 28 no years old, like the light has gone on. I know you've liked him ever since his days in college. I mean, just how happy are you for this guy? Yeah, you gotta you got to enjoy that and celebrate it. He's had a great month. And, and a guy who essentially made the team on the last night 
of, of exhibition season. Cots and I brought him into the office over in San Francisco, told him he made the team that last night of the Bay Bridge series and has absolutely taken his opportunity to run with it. And, you know, hitting in the middle of the order, hitting homers, you know, obviously the game we won in Baltimore, big bright spot yesterday competing, you know, he hits a homer. Three nights earlier, the game we win in Anaheim, he's got back to back with Aggie twice. Like, you gotta, you know, you gotta be excited for this guy and excited for what he can offer us going forward. And I think about Ruiz and just seeing lately his ability to, he's not gonna get caught and his ability to get the big <laughs> jumps and he's so fast. I mean, Keith Lippman told you this, Shooty Babbitt told you this, everybody's yeah. been telling you, you went out and you got him. I know you tried to get him before. He impacts the game in so many different ways. I mean, he's on pace. We checked before yesterday, 58 stolen bases. And if we start to see him just run yeah. wild, who knows? And he I mean, didn't really run the first 10 games. I mean, there was an article, I think, after the first 10, 10 games of the season, like, are we not giving Ruiz the green light? Like, why isn't he running? Like, you see what he's able to do. Um, and again, another guy who hasn't been consistent, you know, was hitting 300 early, slumped a little bit. You see him chasing balls. But when he does impact the ball, he's got a chance for extra bases. And when he walks or gets hit like he did yesterday, he's on third base. Like that is a weapon and it's fun to watch. We just need it to happen more consistently. And it's like lead off. You got to find that Carney Lansford guy with like Ricky Anderson. Is it Noda? Right. Is it Capel? Who is because right now leading your team in, in pitches per at bat is Ryan Noda. He yeah. sees the most pitches. Obviously, he gets on base. And we always talk about money ball. What does he do? <laughs> he gets, he, on gets, he gets on base. Yep. So it's like. Finding the right person, is that kind of a key right For now? sure. Kotz talks about it a lot when he's putting the lineup together. Like that is, that is a particular skill that you have enough confidence to hit behind in the count so you take those early pitches to let Ruiz run. And, and both those guys have been in there, Capel and Noda, to do that. We'll keep working on it. Um, but Ryan's strike zone is as good as anybody we've seen in a long time. I mean, watch the pitches he takes, watch him get deep in counts. Like he has a real skill there that is translated. And he, I think he has a real opportunity to be that guy. You want to see guys, you mentioned Rooker Ruiz competing, you know, two guys, their last, I would say three starts for Waldachuk, last four starts for Sears, whatever the outcome was, we're looking to see how competitive you are. And they're out there competing. They've shown themselves well. Talk about these two lefties who you got coming yeah. over from the Yankees. Well, look, no one has more ups and downs than young pitchers in this league. I mean, that is that is the norm. Like, you have a great start. The hitters adjust. They beat you up. Then you adjust. It has to go back and forth. We saw the way Ken pitched at the end of last season. And then he comes out and struggles in his first couple starts. But he has made an adjustment. You can see it almost inning to inning when he, he goes out there and he throws better fastball strikes. He uses his changeup more. Um, and JP, we saw at that game in Texas after the first inning, man, he made an adjustment. He was more aggressive. He didn't pitch away from contact. Um, and same in the Anaheim game. I mean, he had a rough inning, but he went out there and he got, you know, he got us into the sixth. So look, it's going to be that way for pitchers. It's a tough league. These guys, major league hitters are no joke, um, <laughs> but you make adjustments. And, and I trust, you know, those two guys and Muller, you know, Fuji's learning on the fly. Obviously now Mason's here, Medina and his one start, like, Emo and, and McCarthy are going to work with these guys. Inning to inning, start to start, we're going to keep seeing adjustments in progress. Well, we have a new analytic out there, caught stealing above average. And I was like, here we go. We got another one we got to deal with. So obviously we know how long it takes a pitcher to get to home play, mm -hmm. what kind of lead does the guy have. But we now have a new analytic that once the ball hits the catcher's glove, 
Now it's on the catcher. Yeah. Right. Now it's on the catcher. Well, that's when you yeah you talk about pop time. I mean, we've been talking pop times forever as long as I've been in this game. Caught stealing above average. It's it's relatively new. They don't have a, you know years of data. We're not going to go back to Johnny Bench, but actually was top four on the list with Manny Pena. Yeah. And so I was well, interesting. So you're going to have a catcher dynamic here. You got Perez hitting real well. Langoliers is the future. Bangaliers is the future. <laughs> He's been fun to watch. Watching him throw in Texas was amazing. Yeah. But then you got Manny. So how, how do you think? You can't really have three catchers, right? It's hard. Yeah, we've talked about a roster configuration where you do have all three guys. And obviously what Carlos has done jumping in at the last minute. I mean, he basically had no spring training. He kind of rolled out of bed and hit major league pitching to a tune of like 350. It's pretty amazing. Um, but I think we're hopeful to get Manny back, you know, seven to ten days from now. And then we'll have to figure out, we'll have to make a decision. I mean, look, any number of things can happen between now and then. Um, and injuries happen and performance changes. Um, but Manny certainly has something to offer and, and was part of that trade because we felt like his experience, his throwing, like you said, um, would add to this team. So that's a decision we're going to have to make a week from now. Has the new, new rules made you think a little differently about catching and throwing because it kind of seemed like we were so offense in this game and just yeah. no one was stealing anymore that now stealing's back so. it is i mean i will say like with with murph having been here and into shea like obviously defense was a priority and both both these guys are outstanding receivers and throwers so it was something that was important to us beforehand whether you can really sort of counteract the current wave of stolen bases with a plus throwing catcher i think remains to be seen but it, it's always been important to us all right. I don't know what the outcome's going to be of the Warriors and the Kings. He is a big Golden State Warriors fan. Were you ever wa- wavering down 0-2? <laughs> Were you worried? No. Nah, if we had lost one of those games at home, then maybe you get concerned. But when they protected home court, had a chance to go into game five with some momentum, with Draymond playing, felt pretty good. So don't tell Mark Ling I said that, but feel pretty good about the dubs right now. It, it is something there. When you start talking about that experience, because obviously the Kings are so young and so talented, but you look at the Warriors who've been to five NBA finals, they've won four. There is something about a core sure. that is so battle tested. It's special. We go back to like Celtics, Lakers, Pistons, then Jordan and the Bulls. I mean, that's what these Golden State Warriors are. They are now. Yeah, they have the experience there. I'm sure there was no panic in there before game three and four. And it's fun to watch. I mean, the, watching Clay in game five and watching the way that they sort of take care of business. Um, it's it's really impressive between, you know, Bob Myers, Steve Kerr. They've done an incredible job. Well, great stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. That's the David Force Show right here on A's Cast. You know, the one thing that David has always been ever since his time as assistant general manager, is honest. David has always been honest with us. You can ask him any question. He's honest. He'll take blame. He's humble when there's success. But there's never like a time when he's going to be like, hey, I'm not talking about that. That's not the way he is. And he said to us, he goes, you know the thing about always telling the truth? If you always just tell the truth, you never have to worry about what's what's spinning – lies you had out there you never yeah. get you never get caught he also gave us one of the greatest lines ever before ball go far team go far are, are we running out of time yeah okay we're just going back to back to back we've been working all day for god's sakes i gotta get ready for a's total access it's time now for the mark Kotze show mark Kotze exclusively right here on a's cast and a's cast live
It's time now for the Mark Kotze Show right here on A's Cast, brought to you by nestbedding.com. Go to nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep for all your bedding needs. We're talking about your mattress, your pillows, your sheets. They got a couple stores also in the Bay Area, but go to nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. It's the bed the Kotze sleep on, Ricky Henderson sleeps on. I know you got to go home yesterday and sleep on your bed. You had to feel pre- pretty good yesterday. Yeah, you know, uh, post-game, I traveled down to San Diego. My daughter had a, an event in, uh, at her high school uh, who where she's graduating, and so blessed to be there for it. Obviously, family uh, is important, and and especially when, uh, you know, your kids are are moving forward and, and yeah. on the way to uh, USC. You know, uh, when you think about the way the season's going, we're not going to sugarcoat it. Obviously, it's a tough season, but, you know, for the mark of a manager and the coaches, it's like the grind continues. And I think something that if, if you are going to hang your hat on something, as we saw in the series, especially in yesterday's game, your team is fighting to the very end. There's no give up in your guys. Yeah, you know, we talked about that last year. And for those that are, you know, followers of this show and, and uh, care about this team um, and the guys that, that are on the field, they, they should know that that's the message that, that I send. Uh, it, it's a representation of, of how I played the game. I, and when that doesn't happen, Tony, I, I get really, really frustrated. And you've seen that, that game in Tampa on Sunday. Uh, it's still stuck in my head in terms of effort, in terms of, uh, you know, just the attitude and, and the mentality, right? And yesterday was a great example of, of what we should be doing, what we can be doing, and that's just continuing to uh, to fight, uh, you know, coming back from a 5 nothing deficit against Otani, especially after the way he threw the ball for the first three innings, shows that character, shows that fight. And, uh, you know, obviously we didn't we – didn't, come out on top of that game, but, um, you know, twice we showed the resiliency to, to come back and fight. Oh, I guarantee you shocked a lot of people in baseball with that comeback, and it was so good to see. And I think what we're starting to see with your team is more offense, and the offense is gaining confidence. So it kind of leads me to, is there a sense in that clubhouse that, you know what, a winning streak is about to happen. You get the feeling that that, that it is coming. Yeah, you know, I think we're definitely gaining momentum. I think we're playing better baseball. I think, as you talked about, some of the guys, especially the younger guys, are, are starting to gain that confidence, um, you know, that they belong, as opposed to that, you know, mentality of survival um, to just be here. So offensively, as you mentioned, I think, um, you know, from the number standpoint, someone made me aware that I think we have more hits than the Yankees, the Dodgers, uh, which which is staying a lot, and uh, you know, you're looking at our record. Obviously, we're we're thoroughly you know disappointed in where we're at from that standpoint. But the teams we have played, every single team that we've played to this point uh, is above 500. Um, I think the Angels are 14 and 12. Uh, we could go down the list. Tampa, um, you know, and Baltimore are both you know in that. AL East at the top of the AL East. So we've had our challenges. Uh, that's not an excuse. Um, you know, we've had our opportunities to win some games that we haven't. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing for us is just to focus on that improvement, uh, to con- continue to, to grow um, and, uh, and get better. 
You know, I say it all the time on the post-game show. I said it on TV yesterday. Sometimes little things can lead to really good things. And for me, with your club, you know, when you talk about playing good defense, picking up the ball, throwing the ball, playing good defense, being in the right spots, pitchers throwing strikes, cutting down on the walks, it's like if you get better at the little things, it helps the big things. How much do you guys talk about that? Uh, we talk about it a lot, you know, and – Yesterday's a prime example. We had we had second and third in the eighth inning. You know, the objective is to get the ball in the air. Kevin Smith hits the ball on the ground. Alemis Diaz is running. And and this is just bad break. The bat is literally laying right where the sliding lane is for him. It looks bad. Everything looks bad about the play, but it's the right play. The percentages are in our favor to score a run there. Um, you know, but again, you know, we could have taking advantage of a couple opportunities there with runners on third, we, we weren't successful. So those are the things we're talking about, you know, from a staff perspective, um, you know, the ball that pops out of Capel's glove, maybe he gets back to the wall instead of colliding at the wall at the same time. So all these little things that are the, that, you know, to the, maybe the average baseball fan are going and notice the coaching staff is focusing on them. We're, we're here. We're going to work early. We're going to work hard every day um, to get these guys, uh, better at those little things. And, and again, you know, the two areas that we really need to improve on pitching and defense. You know, we look so much at OPS. We look so much at power. We want the slug. We want the on base. I just started looking at Brent Rooker's numbers, hitting over 300, seven dingers, 18 RBIs in 19 games, uh, over 1,100 OPS. Just, just talk about what you've seen with him. I mean, he's 28 years old, but it's like he's a young player, and like all of a sudden, boom, the light's gone on. Yeah, you know, when when we um, claimed him off waivers, there was there was an excitement about uh, you know Rook in terms of fitting on this team and giving him this opportunity. He had some success uh, in his time, short time in the big leagues before he was injured with Minnesota. I uh, talked to the manager there, Rocco Baldelli. He's a good friend, and Rocco didn't have – I mean, he had nothing but great things to say about him. And, you know, really I think the injury kind of set him back, and, and it's great to see him, you know, taking advantage of this opportunity. Uh, he's, you know, obviously uh, hitting the three-hole for us. Um, you know, he had a great spring training. Um, and, and what's funny about it, Townie, is if you looked at the last two games of spring training, it's the Giants. He looked like he didn't belong. And if you would have just rushed to make that decision and not put him on the roster, uh, he still may not be here. And, uh, you know, but um, this kid has worked his tail off to be here. Like you said, he's 28 years old. And and I think, you know, he reminds me of uh, Mark Canna-esque. You know, Mark Canna was a Rule 5 guy for the A's, but, you know, this is a waiver wire claim, so. No, it's been it's been a great story, and I, you know, I I, I knock on wood. We we brought it up, like going, you know, somebody's got to go to the All Star game, and this guy's start has been absolutely incredible. The balance that you're gonna have to have with a, a lot of young guys, uh, and young guys are gonna be coming up. You know, we keep talking about, you know, at some point, Soderstrom, Geloff, and these guys are gonna be coming. What is the balance for you as a manager with the veteran players, younger players playing playing time? Have you thought about that right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and you know, anytime we're looking at it, you know, you have to to balance the the performance, right? And um, and then how we allow guys to go through their struggles, how we allow them to um, you know develop and and gain that confidence. 
Um, so you're always looking for for the right time to um, you know give a guy a day off, the right time to put him in the lineup when you think there's a great matchup, um, and then having you know Jace Peterson, Aledmus Diaz, who have so much versatility, they can play different positions. Um, you know, utilizing them in that in that role uh, as as you know you're talking about, we may get. Um, more of these younger players uh, on our roster. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. It's an exciting time if you're uh, an A's fan looking at this roster with the Ruiz, with uh, another um, younger, you know, player who's had impact in Capel, Connor Capel, with yeah. Rook, with Noda. Um, so, you know, the, the tools are there. It's just a matter of developing them. Um, you know, I even I left out a few others. I mean, you could keep going, but – um, the process uh, has started when you look at even from the, the pitching standpoint, bringing a Mason Miller and bringing a Luis Medina up to start. These are two young kids um, with not a ton of you know time in the minor leagues, and yet they're on the, they're on the mound here for us in the big leagues. Well, Ruiz, man, he is he is electric. I mean, when you start when they on TV start putting up graphics that have you and Ricky Henderson on it, yeah. you know you're going pretty good. Uh, a key to me, you tell me, getting somebody who's got that patience, who can take pitches, letting them lead off, have that guy hitting second. I mean, I don't know what the number is. I know what he's on pace, but just talk about just with Ruiz, it's like he gets on first. They got no chance to throw him out. Yeah, you know, talking to, to Phil Nevin, the Angels manager postgame, um, you know, he had no solution really for it yesterday or or this series. And, uh, you know, my big thing, Tony, is, you know, you got to let this kid go. It's, it's really electric and, uh, it's difficult when we are trailing in games. If we're down five, nothing in the third or fourth inning, you're sitting there worried about running into an out. Um, but it's just, we have to take that risk. And, and really that risk is, is, is small in terms of, you know, Ruiz getting thrown out. This kid was very successful last year in the minor leagues. I think he stole 85 or 90 bases, successfully and uh if we can get him on base we're going to let that tool go and we're going to let him um you know uh, do some incredible things on the basis yeah let's end on your pitching because obviously we're all excited you mentioned mason miller uh jp sears is getting better he's really gone out there the last few outings and battled for you especially in texas where you got the career high 11 strikeouts i mean we do have to be patient with the young pitching Hopefully with the veteran guys, you're going to get Rosinski back here very soon. You're going to get Blackburn back soon. But just talk about patience and what you're seeing with these young pitchers. Yeah, you, the, you, you hit it right where you needed to with the, the word patience. Um, you know, my playing career for the 17 years that I was, you know, fortunate to be in the big leagues and, and come up with a lot of younger pitchers, and I can talk about it from experience with the Josh Beckett, the Brad Penny, the Ryan Dempster, the AJ Burnett, these guys went through these struggles and they learned and they grew and they got better. And I think that's, you know, something to hang your hat on right now. It, it's difficult when you get here. I think it's really difficult as, as a pitcher, um, you know, to, to have immediate impact, immediate success. Um, you know, there, there's just so many different variables that go into pitching here and, uh, you know, you just don't get away with a mistake. And and that's what we're learning and watching, right? Luis Medina, Mason Miller throw 97, 99. But when it's outer third, thigh high, it gets hit because 
are the best in the world here. And uh, and they're learning that the location is equally as important as, as the stuff. But the positive is that they have the stuff and uh, and they're, they're going to improve. They're going to get better. Um, and, and we're going to continue to uh, instill the fact that, you know what, um, we're going to throw strikes and we're going to pound the zone. And, um, you know, we'll take the result from there. I mean, think about it. You played in the big leagues for 17 years. I mean, how many times did you really ever face kids that were just coming up and effortlessly throwing 100 miles an hour? Like, it was just, like, it was just, I mean, it's like, I don't remember that. I mean, did you face that a lot in your career? No, most of the time it was the closers, um, you know, Robbie Nan, uh, and that, like, I mean, you know, you could go Kevin Brown had that type of velo consistently, 97. But um, in terms of the amount of velocity and the young arms that are that are continuing to to come through the big leagues right now, it's it's pretty incredible. It's like you coming out of center field at at, at Fullerton. <laughs> Glory days, yeah. <laughs> they t- hey, by the way, they talked about that on TV on the uh, Fox National broadcast. You got a little Golden Spikes love on national TV, just to let you know. Uh, it's kind of them. It's a long time ago. It's ancient history. <laughs> All right, buddy. Great to have you back home. Have a good series. We'll see you down on the field. All right. Thanks, Tony. And that's uh, Mark Conte earlier today with Chris Townsend. Our last interview today is going to be with Ken Korak, Chris Townsend, and Joe Morgan from 2020. It's a great interview. We, we had Joe Morgan on the preview of the 1972 World Series. I hope everyone enjoys it as much as we do. Chris Townsend standing by for Ace Total Access, which starts at 6 o'clock. But here's Ken Korak, Chris Townsend, and Joe Morgan on – from 2020, talking about the 1972 World Series, we'll be back on Tuesday at 4 o'clock for A's Cast Live. Two-time World Series champion, a two-time MVP, a 10-time All-Star, a five-time Gold Glover, Oakland's own, the great Joe Morgan is with us. Joe, thank you for taking the time as we're celebrating one of the great World Series of all time in 1972. Well, we have some time now, <laughs> unfortunately. You know, the way the world is now, I'm spending a lot of time at home. You know, Joe, researching this and going into today, you know, the one thing that I realized is you had so many great players on both sides and so many, I mean, really other than than Pete Rose and Burt Campanaris, all of you guys were in your prime or in your young 20s. It was a very athletic and a very young World Series. Yes, it was. Uh, A lot of great players, like you say, on both sides. When I thought about doing this show, I started thinking about, all the great players on the A's side and all the great players on my side because I spent so much time with all those great guys on the Big Red Machine. So uh, you're right. It was just it was a great World Series. You know, Joe, you are one of the great number two hitters of all time. I've always thought like the perfect number two hitter. So what were you trying to accomplish in that role with those teams, batting behind Pete Rose? And in the game, we're going to hear game two of that World Series, Bobby Tolan behind you and then Johnny Bench and then Tony Perez behind him? Well, you have to remember, I always hit first or second when I played for Houston, and then I got traded to Cincinnati. And, of course, the hit behind the great Pete Rose was great for me because it opened up that hole between first and second. And if I could pull the ball in the hole on the ground, he could go to third easily. So my job was to get him over so that Johnny Bench and uh, Tony Perez and George Foster later on, those guys could drive him in. Now you think about this World Series, Joe. It's the early '70s. You know, you got the A's with all the hair and the mustache. It's the hairs <laughs> against the squares. Just, just take us through going into 1972, the World Series, and what it was. And, and you grew up in Oakland, taking on the Oakland A's. 
Well, it was a, I was pulling for the A's, obviously, you know, to win and get to the World Series because I grew up like 10 blocks from there, from the Coliseum. And I wanted to have my father, mother, sisters, brothers, aunts and uncles all to have a chance to see me play in the World Series. Uh, my father was a baseball player. My uncles, all of them played baseball. They barnstormed around Texas uh, and and so forth. Uh, you know, my when my dad was playing, it, you know, it wasn't possible for African-Americans to play in the major leagues. And they all played, and they all loved the game. That's how I grew up loving the game. I became the bat boy, and then I grew up, you know, just loving the game and spent a lot of time with my father talking baseball and going to baseball games. We went to a lot of the Oakland Oaks games back in the day. You know, my father would take me to the games all the time. So, you know, I just wanted Oakland to win, you know, as bad as I wanted us to win, you know, our the National League so that we could play the A's. And then not coming home, you know, then I didn't realize I had to get tickets for everybody. So <laughs> all of it kind of jumped up on me, but I was just so happy to, you know, to play the A's. I wish I would have played better the first few games especially, but, you know, that's life. And I was just, 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 as they say, maybe that's the problem. I was happy to be there. Well, you know, if we, if we digress a little bit or fast forward, Ashley, you finished your career with the A's, Joe, uh, yes. 12 years later in 1984. What was that like? And were your family members and, and friends able to watch you play a, a whole lot at the Coliseum that year? Yes. Um, I had planned on retiring at the end of 83, my last year, when I played with the Phillies in the World Series. We lost to Baltimore. And I had planned on retiring. And Roy Eisenhart was the uh, uh, president, I think, at the time. And we were good friends. We had been good friends for a while, and we played a lot of tennis together and whatever. And about halfway through the offseason, he started asking me to play you know, come play for the A's. And I said, man, I'm, I'm retiring. You know, I've made up my mind to retire. And Roy, being as smart as he is, uh, he he asked me about five times, and I said no. So finally, he went to my wife, my and my mother and dad. He went to the people, you know. He was smart enough to go there, and I couldn't tell them no. They all wanted me to play one more year, so they would see me play my final year. So, um, and that's one of the best things I've ever done is to come home and play for the A's, you know. So uh, I decided to come and play. And, uh, you know, and I, and I played here my last year, and a lot of things happened positive for me that last year. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how much fun it was to be able to just get up in my house and drive down and play the game and go home. You know, it was really fun. The yeah. legend, the Hall of Famer Joe Morgan joins us here on A's Cast as we're getting ready for Game 2 of the 1972 World Series. You know, the A's would go on after this to win two more. Only the Yankees and the A's have won at least three in a row World Series. What made, it, what made the A's so tough? Well, the one thing I always remember about the A's is their pitching staff. They never made mistakes in pressure situations. You know, if they got runners in scoring position and so forth, they made good pitches. They never threw balls in the middle of the plate. They didn't hang breaking ball. And I thought all, you know, the first they got off to a great start with Gene Tennis, of course, winning the first two games for them in Cincinnati. And I just kept saying, well, they can't pitch like this the rest of the way because, you know, Perez, Foster, Bench, you know, if you start hanging pitches or miss your spots, they were going to make you pay. Well, the Reds pitchers never missed their spots. I mean, they kept, they just made great pitches. And, you know, uh, they were just a great 
that's the best pitching staff I've ever seen under pressure. I've always said that. Catfish and Kenny Holtzman and Blue Moon and Vita and Raleigh Fingers at the end of the game. You know, Joe, it was a tough series, seven-game series. You lose a one-run game in game seven. And then, of course, later you go on and, and you beat the Red Sox in 75. You sweep the Yankees in 76. So you won. The Big Red Machine wins two straight World Series. But after the 72 series ended, did you really think, because you had a great ball club, did you think we're going to get back to the World Series again? Oh, of course. I think every team that plays in the World Series and loses says next year will be our year. You know, everybody looks at it that way. And we did, too. And then in 73, we ran against another pitching staff, uh, you know, Tom Seaver, uh, uh, Holtzman, uh, Madlack, all those guys with the with the uh, New York Mets. And so we ended up, you know, losing again. Um, I think the most underrated thing here for us going into that series was people overlooked our pitching staff. We had a good pitching staff as well. Uh, but, you know, we were the big red machine, so the offense got all the credit. Um, you know, the, the toughest thing is that first two games we lost in Cincinnati because – you know, Gary Nolan started off and, and Gene Tennis, you know, just went on a rampage, you know, and he hadn't even been the everyday catcher that year. But he, uh, he he got the A's off to a great start, and then we were playing uphill from that day on, that moment on. And you did mention the seventh game. We did get back to the seventh game. And, you know, I have, I guess, bad memories of the seventh game because, you know, we lost by one run. Uh, we were losing by two runs. I remember, I don't know if it was three to one. I can't remember numbers now, but uh, we lost by two runs. We were losing by two in the eighth inning, and I always remember Pete Rose let off with a base hit or he got on base. And I pulled the ball down into the corner, right field corner. And, you know, they were playing me around to left because, heck, I wasn't hitting well in the series. I wasn't doing a lot. So I, when I came out of the batter's box, I said, I'm getting the third base. I'll be the tie and run at third base with nobody out. And to this day, I'm, I'm thankful that I, I got lucky because when I rounded the second, I was headed for third. And when I got, I don't know, 25 feet from third base, Pete Rose was standing there. And if they would have hit the cutoff, man, they would have been able to get me at second base, and that would have been the, like the worst snafu you can make in, 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 a, in the World Series. But Pete should have scored, and I should have gotten a third with no one out. And Pete scored on the next fly ball, and I couldn't move from second base. I ended up at second base for the rest of the inning. So uh, that, that those things kind of jump out at me because I could have been the, just the worst base-running mistake ever in the World Series. Yeah, the other thing, though, too, looking back on plays like that, Joe, if Joe Rudy doesn't make that catch on Dennis Menke in the ninth inning of Game 2, yeah, the whole series might have turned around. Well, that's what I'm saying. The first two games in Cincinnati changed the whole thing because, like I say, we were playing uphill from there on, and I think the A's confidence level grew because, let's face it, we were the big red machine. You know, we were supposed to beat the A's. We were favored to win that World Series, and I'm sure that they, you know, knew who we were. But, you know, they got off and won those first two games, and, heck, their confidence level, like I say, went sky high. Joe, on Wednesday, we honored Jackie Robinson. It was Jackie Robinson Day, and of course, 42 retired around baseball. And before this game, he gave a speech. It was a quick speech, 
It was Jackie Robinson's last public appearance as he would pass away nine days later. Do, do you recall Jackie being at the game? Of course. Hey, I grew up a Jackie Robinson fan. Jackie was my hero. He and Nellie Fox, both of them played second base, of course. Um, Jackie, because he made it possible for me to make it to the major leagues, and Nellie Fox, because he played the game the way I wanted to play it. And, uh, yes, I was there in Cincinnati when Jackie walked out on the field. And I, you know, I wasn't going to miss anything for, as far as that was going to concern. And I watched him, and, you know, and, and then I guess the, the words still stand in my mind that will always be there. And he said, you know, uh, I'm happy, but I'll never be ecstatic, I guess he used a different word, until I see an, a, a black manager managing from, the, from these dugouts. And I always remembered that because at that time, obviously, we didn't have any African-American managers. And it was a long time before we had one after that. But I always remember that his last thoughts were of trying to make it better, you know, for the African-American players. You know, that's beautifully said. It was Frank Robinson, of course, later in the 70s who uh, became the first African-American manager. I guess on a personal note, Joe, I want to ask you about this back to 2017 at the Hall of Fame. Because growing up in Oakland like you did and listening to Bill King all those years, and it was so special for us to be at the ceremony and see you on the stage at Cooperstown presenting the Frick Award plaque to Kathleen, to Bill's daughter. I know how much that meant to you to be part of that ceremony. And maybe you could share with our listeners what that meant to you and what Bill King meant to you. Well, it's interesting that I, you know, I got a chance to, you know, spend time with Bill King. Like everybody else, I just admired Bill's radio broadcasts, et cetera, et cetera, all those years, from basketball to football to baseball. And I got a chance to spend time with him. We went to dinner, his wife and my wife and I, well, he wasn't married at the time. We all went to dinner a few times. And I just got a chance to know him. You know, when people talk about things, you know, he was truly that man for all seasons. I mean, that's, that's, that was Bill King to me. And I just admired, you know, him because being blunt with you, he made me a basketball fan. Listening to him describe the game made me an NBA basketball fan. So, um, yes, it was a great honor. I just felt honored, you know, and I made sure I was the one to present the award, if you want to know the truth. Um, I'm vice chairman of the board of the Hall of Fame, and I do have a little juice up there, a little. So (laughs) I wanted to present that award to Bill's you know, family. And uh, so, yes, that, that was a, quite an honor for me as well. Well, thanks well, for sharing that, Joe. Yeah, that's great, Joe. Joe, thank you so much. Uh, have good health and be safe. Get through these times. And truly, thank you for doing this. Uh, it, it, to hear your voice, we want to have familiar voices for people to hear because not only were you a great player, a great broadcaster, and thank you for your time, and uh, we're going to enjoy this wonderful World Series. Well, I'm going to watch my well, so uh, I'm not going to enjoy it like you will, but I'll, <laughs> I will definitely be watching. Um, you know, and, and then just so you'll know, my family and I are sheltered in place, so we're, we're following, the, you know, following our, our instructions. So hopefully we'll you know, be able to get back to playing baseball soon. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 